0: Welcome to the season finale of Care Africa. I am your host, Kelly Mudusi, and we've got a crucial conversation lined up for you today. We are diving deep into the outcomes of COP28 that wrapped up in Dubai on the 12th of December 2023. It is an annual meeting where UN member countries discuss and negotiate strategies to address climate change, focusing on mitigating emissions and adapting to its impact. And back with us is CARES climate policy advisor, Obed Koringo, to help us break it all down. But before we delve into today's discussion, let us take a quick trip down memory lane. In the past four episodes, we explored what is climate change with Ovid, a first-hand testimony on climate change and its impact in Somalia with Walter, and also had a personal story from Chikondi on Cyclone Freddy's impact in Malawi, in the last two episodes. Today, we're not just wrapping up our season. We are unpacking the good, the not so good, and what's next after COP28. So settle in and let's explore together. This is Care Ethicast, where we bring important conversations to your ears. Let's get started. Thank you, Obed, for joining us. So as we look at COP28, can you explain why the decisions about the loss and damage fund are important for the people affected by climate issues and what does that mean for them?
1: Thank you so much, Kelly. Um, Thank you for that question. And As you know, uh, when we talk about loss and damage, really, we are talking about um, uh, adverse impacts of climate change uh, that cannot be resolved by either mitigation or adaptation. And mm. these are uh, uh, and impacts really that, as a result of either extreme weather events uh, such mm. as uh, uh, drought, floods, cyclones, mm. uh, or or slow onset events like sea, sea level rise. So, uh, so what we 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 have seen is uh, such uh, um, impact of climate change or adverse impact of climate change or loss and damage hasn't been really been given. Uh, prominence or the attention mm. it requires, especially uh, in the within the UNFCCC mechanism, uh, mm. and there has been a dedicated fund that actually uh, has been supporting uh, losses and damage that have come as a result of climate change. Mm. So this decision uh, at the COP uh, really is it's really really important to be able to help communities that have been at the forefront uh, of of these losses and damages. And as Mm. you know, uh, when at COP27 in in, in Egypt last year, COP27 adopted a decision to establish a loss and damage fund, and Mm. uh, this was really quite historic and it paved way uh, for uh, having a a fund that actually is dedicated to support uh, uh, issues with loss and damage. Uh, So after Mm. that, they came up with, uh, I mean, a transitional committee that was going to look at how this funding is going to look like in terms of funding modalities, sources of funding, mm. and governance, mm. uh, and uh, ahead of its adoption in COP28. So uh, we are happy. It's hap- I mean to mention that uh, at COP28, the first day of the COP, uh, mm. the the fund was adopted, and uh, this of course means the way for its operationalization Yeah. Yeah, of course uh, we as Nations had our reservations of course with the recommendations from the transitional committee but we feel that uh the adoption of the fund on yeah. the first day of the COP really is a good start uh, yeah and, and, and because for a long time victims of climate change especially uh, vulnerable communities uh indigenous people women and girls uh, who are the forefront of climate crisis have been left suffering with never disasters occur. and we believe that this this is really going to uh, help them. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks for thanks for such a a detailed response. Um, can you break down some of the challenges that have been going on with the COP twenty eight agreement, especially around the funding and making it fair for everyone?
1: As I mentioned earlier, we as civil society organizations feel that the decision or the recommendations by the transitional committee uh, that was tasked with uh, looking at how this fund uh, the modernities and how it was going to look like really did not, uh, incorporate the views and, and what we wanted to see in this fund. And, uh, mm-hmm. case in case in point is we wanted a standalone entity, uh, to be able to host this fund. Mm. And what, what, what was recommended was of course, for the World Bank to host the fund initially, I mean, for an interim period of, period of four years. Mm-hmm. And uh, another challenge or uh, issue that we had was the transitional committee uh, that was tasked uh, by COP27 did not agree on the scale of funding for loss and damage. It's like having a loss and damage fund that, that, that is like a shell. So if mm-hmm. you don't agree on the scale, then it means uh, where is that fund? How is what is the what? How is the loss and damage fund going to be uh, resourced uh, yeah. or capitalized? Then mm. another another issue we had was the weak language sources of funding mm. and mm. Uh, the decision really failing, missing an opportunity to, to 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 put historical emitters at uh, in the forefront of providing support. Mm. Uh, the decision basically just invites or encourages developed countries, but really not putting them uh as, as the key, uh, those responsible to be able to provide this uh, support.
2: Uh, mm.
1: In terms of governance, there is no seat that is uh, allocated for uh, communities and civil society organizations at the board of the loss and damage fund, and we believe we think that this is really a, a missed opportunity for communities, those who are affected, to be able to decide how this fund is going to be to be to be to be spent, and including accessing uh, this fund by by local communities. So, uh, mm. uh, but of course, that's not to say that we are not happy. Of course, uh, the the adoption of the fund at COP is a good start. And we saw that uh, we had pledges of the loss and damage fund, Mm -hmm. uh, which have totaled to approximately $700 million. But we Mm -hmm. still feel this is quite uh, little. It's quite Mm -hmm. small compared to the amount of finance that is required uh, to address loss and damage, which is in the tune of hundreds of billions. So Mm -hmm. we, we are calling for more funding. Uh, more pledges, more commitments. Uh, mm. But of course, these pledges must also be fulfilled so mm. that communities that are uh, affected really are able to benefit.
0: Why Why is it a big deal? And what are the things that uh, the World Bank should do to make it fair, even as the Loss and Damage Fund has been um, adopted?
1: As the word says, it's, it's, it's World Bank. It's a yeah. bank. Yeah. And you know, the role of a bank yeah and and here at the UNFCCC uh, the mechanism that already exists uh, um, like gcf adaptation fund, we already have issues on how they operate especially yeah. the manner in the the, the manner in which uh, of course uh, and the duration it takes for countries to be able to even access that the funding uh, that they're supposed to to receive so mm. but when you talk about loss and damage uh, we are talking about an emergency, an urgency, and we need an entity that is able to disperse and, and allocate the funding with the urgency it needs. Because mm-hmm. when floods come, when cyclones mm-hmm. come, those communities mm-hmm. need urgent, urgent support. Right. So this fund being posted the World Bank, it's going to make it difficult uh, mm-hmm. for countries and, and communities to be able to ease, quickly access that money. Because mm-hmm. World Bank, as we know, World Bank is, is quite bureaucratic. And it's mm. also designed to provide loans, funding in the form of loans and funding for loss and damage is not supposed to be loans. We are calling mm-hmm. for grant-based financing. So, mm. so this, these are our fears. And, uh, and, and of course, uh, the, the decision has put some conditions, uh, for World Bank to, to be able to meet. Mm. Uh, and we hope that these conditions are going to be met. And yeah. some of those conditions, of course, uh, include allowing developing countries to directly access resources from the fund, including mm. of course, through subnational national national and regional entities and through small grant funding, and, and we see in the decision that uh, despite the civil society organizations and business people not making it to the board, mm. we see that it allows for effective participation and we hope that these this groups are going to participate mm. in the board meetings and also to decide on making Deciding how these funds are going to be used inclu- including easy access of funding to these organizations communities and local organizations including women and women led organizations
0: yeah can you give an example an example of what change might happen if the loss and damage fund is acted upon well
1: as we know we have extreme weather events uh, mm-hmm. like floods we, we have heat waves we have cyclones yeah. we have yeah drought which qualify as as part of events or extreme weather events can where communities can access money through the loss and damage fund yeah and what we have been calling for is for these communities to be able to add uh, or countries to be able to access adequate financial resources uh, mm. that are to be able to respond to both economic and non-economic losses and damages and mm. uh, communities suffer economic and non-economic losses and economic losses are those that can be quantified like damage or loss of or damage towards the infrastructure or or buildings or, or homesteads, uh, yeah. or farms. Of course, there are also non-economic losses, uh, which actually cannot be quantified. This is loss Mm. of life, uh, loss of biodiversity, cultural heritage. And Mm -hmm. this fund is going to take care of such losses. And uh, it will also provide support for responding to non-humanitarian actions, of course, uh, that are taken immediately after an extreme event. For instance, uh, long-term recovery, Mm. reconstruction reconstruction uh, uh, or rehabilitation actions and uh, any other action that are able to address uh, slow onset events.
0: And knowing that there are all these decisions that are going to be reached um, and those that are yet to be adopted, what should we expect to see between now and the next COP?
1: Yes, we are right here at the COP. We We have decisions that have already been adopted and there are those that have not been adopted. And, uh, of course the first one that has already been adopted on the first day of the COP is the, is the loss and damage fund. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what remains is now the full operationalization of this fund now, mm-hmm. uh, make sure making sure that it's now operational and it's just doing its work. Yeah. And of course, World Bank uh, has been given a certain period of time to be able to consider the decision and make a decision whether it's going to uh, comply with the, the conditions and what the administration really uh, well, well, this prescribes
2: uh, yeah. of
1: course, we believe that uh, as time goes by now once it's put in place the structures, now the funding should be able to be operational yeah. so so and there's the things that are remaining like agreeing uh, on the board setting in place the government's structures uh, mm. and and of course uh, this is this are things that we think are going to happen in, in the course of the year and mm-hmm. and, and if possible we, we want this fund to start operational, being operational uh, because yeah. already we, we have pledges that have already been met towards this fund and we want mm-hmm. to see this money already starting going to the communities to, mm-hmm. to support them because they are already suffering. Uh, another issue that has been given prominence here at the COP is yeah. the issue of uh, of of course, within uh, loss and damage, there's uh, what we call the Santiago network on loss and damage. This mm-hmm. is a, a body that has been established under the uh, under loss and damage to be able to catalyze technical uh, support to countries when it comes to loss and damage. And this also includes assessing needs uh, mm-hmm. of countries, uh, especially in loss and damage, and to be able even to identify the amount of funding that is required. So I think this is going to uh, be operational the next year. And of course, there have been renewed calls for finance for developed countries to meet their commitments, especially when it comes to finance and uh, including the doubling of adaptation finance that was agreed in COP26. So, yeah. so it's our hope that uh, between now and the next COP, these countries uh, will be able to, uh, to, to really take leadership in terms of meeting the commitments that they've already made we have yeah. two other decisions that are yet to be agreed like the global stock mm. uh, which which of course uh, the global stocktake is about uh, taking stock of on where we are in terms of implementing the paris agreement mm. and what needs to be done uh, uh, to be able to enhance ambition especially on the temperature goal uh, adaptation and also finance. And uh, of course, uh, we we are hoping for an ambitious decision on that to mm-hmm. be able to inform actions, ambitious actions to be able to mitigate adapt, uh, adapt and also uh, f- uh, ensure that there's finance to support that. And last but not least, there's uh, the global goal on adaptation, mm-hmm. uh, which is also being discussed, and this is going to support countries. Uh, I mean, uh, there's a framework that is being developed here. And this framework is going to be a tool for parties, communities and stakeholders to enhance adaptive capacity, to strengthen the resilience and the release vulnerability, as well as help countries to measure progress towards Mm. uh, achieving uh, uh, the global goal adaptation. So those are some of the uh, things that we expect between now and and COP28. Of course, there's a lot that I've not mentioned, uh, which I'm I'm happy to, uh, to, to unpack.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for giving us such a deep dive and insights um, on what's going on, what we should expect, why this is important. And we look forward to, yes, further more discussions, even as we assess what's happening after um, COP28. So thank you so much for joining us. And we are so glad and honored that you would join us again to share with us your climate expertise.
1: Thank you so much, Kelly.
0: That concludes another insightful episode of Care Africa. Don't forget to subscribe for more enriching conversations and stay informed on the issues that matter. Let's continue to raise awareness, foster dialogue and work towards a more sustainable and resilient future. Stay tuned for the next episode. Until then, take care.